Welcome back to Conspiratorial Conspiring. Today we have a treat. We have an OG guy in the community. We have Alex Sakiris from Skeptico. Um, I'm surprised that we even got him on. Um, it's been it's been a lot of months in the works and a listen notes uh, uh, account creation. For this to happen <laughs> so now that we finally got it in the works welcome to conspiratorial conspiring alex securis thanks ryan you know it's hard to put up all the roadblocks man it sounds like i'm some big <laughs> some big dude which i am not but uh hey you know cool i, I love i'm glad that i got you on listen notes yeah hell yeah man <laughs> good deal good deal. and you know what it's it's the craziest synchro so i just flashed up for anybody that's just listening i just flashed up both of Alex's books. And today I was listening to your podcast with the doctor from Florida state. What's his name on, on which topic? Uh, what was it about? It was like Greg or Reg. Oh, or... Oh, oh, uh, Rich Grego. Yes. Yes. Um, love that guy. And he called you an iconoclast. Correct. So, so I was just like, I don't even know what that word means, but I'm like, that's a great word. It rolls off the tongue. Super nice. So like I get home and I just randomly, I open why science is wrong about almost everything. And the first page that I open to page 53 and you start off. I remember the first time someone called me an iconoclast. I'm like, <laughs> boom, synchro. Is that not the craziest thing? That's great. That's great. What, what do you make uh, of synchros? What do you make of synchros? Do they happen a lot to you? Uh, dude, last night. So my sister was in town this week. She was picking up her dog. Long story. But last night we go out to a nice dinner and they tell me that they had to reschedule their Airbnb because uh, my sister's new boyfriend. So my sister had visited what, like maybe six or seven months ago with a different boyfriend. Um, and on the way back, they booked a place in Little Rock, Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And so Sean's just like, I don't want to figure it out. Johnny, you book it. So, Last night, he tells me, yeah, I had to rebook it because I had booked the same exact place in Little Rock, Arkansas that he had done. Like, I was just like, what are the odds? My sister gave him no guidance, probably didn't even tell him that they stopped in Little Rock on the way back or anything like that. I was like, what are the odds? He picks the exact same place. Yeah, yeah. No, it, so, no it is. I'm, I'm big in synchros. I think synchros are 100% real. And like when I first got into uh, like really embracing spirituality. There was a two work week period where I could literally call what was about to happen. Like a thought would just pop in my head right before it happened. Like I'm yeah. sitting on, I'm sitting on the bus, this kid's walking onto the bus and I'm just like, he's going to eat shit. And sure enough, 
trips, falls over, starts crying. Mom's got to help. I was just like, dude, I literally thought that was going to happen right before heaven. And it happened like every day, at least twice a day for a couple of weeks. And now I'm just like, what am I losing my juice? It doesn't, it doesn't really happen anymore, but synchros are hundred percent real. And I think the more that you embrace it and the more you recognize it, the more it happens. Uh, You know, but it's tricky, like you're saying, though, because, you know, you go down that path too far, and then it's the lose the juice thing, which I think leads to a whole other thing. People are like, whoa, wait a minute, what do I have to do? You know, go, Uh and they start dancing around the fire and praying to Moloch and all the rest of that shit. They're like, bring it back, bring it back. You got to summon Baphomet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, I mean, like, my first question to you uh, is more of like a inside baseball, a term that you like to use a lot, is... How do I not go off the deep end when I start a podcast? Because to me, it's it's super boring. I want people to know the information. Like I want people to hear you talk about NDEs and evil and all, all of these other things. The Romans. I want I want people to hear what you have to say about that, or like experts that you brought on and what they have to say about it. But like. It's almost boring to me because I know that already. I want to jump straight into the deep end of the pool. Like, I want to talk about Raymond Moody. I want to talk about Jeffrey Long. Like, I want to talk about those guys and the specifics and this. And so it's kind of boring to be like, so tell us about near-death experiences. You know what I'm saying? Oh, cool. Hey, And, uh, you know, right away when I started listening to your show, I was like, cool. This guy this dude's just like I am. See, because, like, there's – when I started doing this, you know, and I've revealed this, you know, before because it's not like a big hidden secret or anything, but I, it was just a front, man. My podcast was a front. I just wanted to figure this shit out. This is a, what I've always said. This is my journey, you know, hitting up all these people that I couldn't normally talk to. And then, hey, why not share it with other people and see what they think? But that's what's in it for me. And what's changed, see, over the years, and now it's become, you know, like I know you and I both like Sam Tripoli. I think Sam Tripoli's great. And there's all these other guys who are great at doing shows, at doing entertainment. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to entertain you. I don't know how to pick guests and, you know, tee them up or, or worse yet. And I wouldn't want to do this. I don't know how to do newsy, you know, hey, you know, I just know how to like, you know, like you're saying, kind of. You know, frame it up like that's what we're doing. But really what I want to know is the stuff. I want to know the stuff, which I can sense right away. You do. You want to know what's up, you know? what? Wh- how are you supposed to be living your life, you know? What are you supposed to really be doing with those synchros? Not like writing a book about them. It's like, what are what's Ryan supposed to do? What does that mean for your life, man? Yeah. And that's cool. That to me is the... That's podcasting. That's the beauty. That's really where we can be in podcasting that no one's been before. No one's been there because the medium wasn't, you know, wasn't available to just call up people and say, hey, I'm wondering, you know. Yeah. And I don't know, man. Like, even when I listen to your show, I feel like you're almost just like, all right, do this real quick so we can get to the to the meat. 
So you're just yeah. like, could you, could you explain <laughs> yeah. this real quickly just so we could talk about what I want to talk about? Like, that's how I feel a lot of the time. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, do yeah, a yeah. quick bio and then let's jump into yeah. deep esoteric Gnosticism or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let me, let me pump the heck out of your book right at the beginning, you know, because what I found is like – uh, that makes people feel comfortable, you know, because it's like you're talking to these people and they don't know you and they don't know if you're, you know, totally full of crap. So you just do a very kind of standard job and not exaggerating. I mean, most of the people I have on, I, I do really respect what they've done. But if you do the standard kind of thing, pump the book, show the book, talk about the book, then they, they it's almost like they breathe a fr- <sighs> Okay, yeah, there is a reason why my publicist made me do this freaking thing. <laughs> then you can say anything. Then you can say yeah. anything because it's like, yeah, he did mention the book, and then ha- and then when you get them on the ropes and they're kind of gone, then you got to come back to the book and say, and remember, folks, this book, you know, it's true. Da, 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 da. And then he's like, okay, yeah, yeah, he's still talking about the book, <laughs> <laughs> dude. That was so Matt Lamon. I love him to death, but we, I just had him on, and then uh, you know, one of my questions was. So, you know, we have a lot of frequencies, you know, a lot of e- dirty EMF and stuff like that. I'm like, you have a clothing line, don't you? He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I interweave silver into the clothes. I'm just like, perfect. So make him happy, promote his stuff. And and that's why I started the whole podcast, man, because I, I can't just email you and be like, Alex, love your shit, dude. Can you call me and we just talk about shit for two hours? Be like, bro, I've written two books, might be writing a third. I manage this forum. I do the podcast. I'm researching the Romans right now. Like, I can't just jump on a call for two hours. But I, or in a different world, I say, hey, Alex, I got a podcast. You want to come on and promote your books and your podcast? And you're just like, sure. And so now I get to talk. To the, to the cool people and the people that I always wanted to talk to, even though I never had that avenue. And I did the calculations, I don't know, uh, a month ago. I, since 2018, because I, I, I started driving for FedEx and I don't do FedEx anymore. But since 2018, I was listening to podcasts for anywhere from six to ten hours a day. And so I've listened to about six to seven thousand hours a podcast. I need 3,000 more to get to that 10,000 because if you yeah. say 10,000, you're a master. Yeah, yeah. So then I'll be officially a master at listening, even though I'm doing all of the talking right now. But See, I, I, that was me. That was me totally as well, Ryan. Like, uh, oh, I just listened. I listened, you know, listen to shows. I used to back in the day, you know, I would record, uh, uh, you know, uh, what's the. What's the one, the midnight one? Oh, I forget. You know, the, the late night. Uh, uh, oh, God, I can't believe my brain is freezing. <laughs> Anyways, I would just listen to all sorts of stuff before podcasting was really big. And I loved it. And I still do. And I still listen to a ton of podcasts. They're always queued up. It's always on my head. And uh, why? I love learning. I love learning. And I think that that comes through in what you do and it's not just like you're you know people say like podcast addict i hate that i'm not a podcast addict i'm just like what am i supposed to do i like watching football but you know my patience runs thin it's pretty stupid and if anyone has a mask on i'm out of there you know the nba is like they've made it they've actually really increased my podcasting budget the nba 
that's gone. Uh, the NFL, that's gone. It might come back. I watched the Super Bowl last year. College football, we like. My wife's from Auburn. SEC, she's a big SEC football fan. Hey, maybe the SEC will get it right, and we won't have all that stupid stuff. We'll probably watch a bunch of games. But otherwise, I... Th- there's no mainstream. It's it's like ridiculous to even uh, suggest that you would turn on any, any news. It's just like, I don't know. I mean, you get that. We get that, you know. But it's like when you talk to normal people and they're like news, I'm like, I, I can't even tell you the last time I saw a quote unquote news show. I mean, that just isn't even in. I don't even and think shout about out, it. Shout out to my mom. I mean, you know, she listens to all my podcasts. And she actually hit me up today. She was like, Ryan, I've been listening to a lot of Crow Triple Seven. I'm like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's great, mom. Hell yeah. She listens to the propaganda report and all of that. And, uh, but she called me the other day and she was like, Are you seeing what's going on at the border? You're and kidding. Cause- because I live in Texas. I'm like, Mom, stop watching the Fox News. Come on. I thought you were propaganda report. Crow 777. Oh, like, okay. I'm just like, why are you still watching Fox News? And I know like, my dad probably just turns it on and it's around. But she's like, are you seeing what's going on in the border? Because I live in Austin. So she thinks like, oh, I might be seeing something. Like, no, dude. I mean, that's just straight propaganda. I don't pay any mind to that. Just like all this Afghanistan nonsense. I think that's just another ploy for us to get back in over there. Yeah. But, but you know, inside of that, without even getting into the, the details of all that, that stupid shit, which I agree with you, it's stupid shit, yep. is the uh, that process, I think, is super interesting. Because I was like cheering for your mom there in the story, you know, like, wow, she's really... And then there's a such a reality to what you're talking about, which is, you know, people can't make that complete transition it takes the maybe that's where the 10,000 hours kicks in you know because like it's still even fresh enough with me and I've told this story on Skeptico like I wasn't into conspiracy theories when I started Skeptico I was not I was looking at the science and I thought that the skeptics were I just had a sense they were just kind of full of shit because the way they were presenting the science I didn't like it so the more I got into it the more I was like wow this is strange, and it looks conspiratorial, just in the sense of, you know, if you've been in business, or you just, if you just know life, man, I don't know when people like about conspiracy, if you just understand life and understand that people bullshit you, you understand everything. So anyways, I started going, hey, man, this looks conspiratorial. So then I started really getting into the conspiratorial stuff with more of an open mind, because I had this little bit of uh, this experience with these science interviews I had done. But I'm bearing the lead because I remember this so clearly. Sitting on the edge of the bed after watching like 10 hours or 20 hours like we do of uh, JFK was the first thing. And I was like, oh, okay, well, God, clearly that's just, you know, completely bullshit. You know, it's not Lee Harvey Oswald and it's all this other stuff. And it's out And then, but I remember going to my wife and going, but like that 9-11 thing, I could never go there. I mean, that's just, you know, da-da-da-da. So the point of that long story is just that I remember. I remember. I remember what it was like. I remember how I felt in my head to say, no, I could never go there. I could never cross that bridge, you know. I could never cross that crazy line like I use from one of the guests that I've had on. And it's like, I don't know. Do you have that kind of experience where – where you've had something and you've gone, oh, I could never go there. And then you find yourself 
vaccines. Oh my god! Uh, when I when I first started, because I was a big Grimerica fan, so you know they would have on Dell Big Tree and like talk about vaxxed and and I would like stop the podcast and be like, do I really want to go down this road? Because like I'm getting into conspiracies and like the first conspiracy show I ever listened to was a uh, tinfoil hat with Monica Perez and Brad Binkley being the guests and they were talking about the Clinton Global Initiative and. And the, uh, Laura Gaylor Silsby is trafficking children out of Haiti. I'm like, oh my god! I'm like, I can't believe. I'm like, what? And so, you know, sure enough, like I gotta check it out. So I go home. I'm researching 33 Haitian children. Laura Gaylor Silsby, Bill Clinton bails her out, and I'm just like, Jesus, man. And so, um, then I start getting into like deeper and deeper topics, and then it was like vaccines and the whole anti-vaxxer i mean they've done a number but even before now i mean being an anti-vaxxer was tantamount to being a holocaust denier or something like that um and so when i started getting into anti-vax i was just like oh my i don't know if i want to do this and then you know dell bigtree starts talking about this harvard study where they they researched the various reporting system and it's only getting one percent of the injuries and if you actually extrapolate that out to what it would be it'd be tantamount to forty thousand deaths a year due to vaccine injuries i'm just like jesus that's more than guns and all the gun propaganda they throw at us all the time so it was just like breaking down more and more barriers so we're like i could talk about anything now i mean i don't i don't fall for everything but i mean i can at least have the conversation which i think is important and go ahead no, I was just going to ask, did you ever look into uh, Wakefield, Andrew Wakefield? I thought the, the, the people the, are, are always super interesting, too. And I think sometimes in our little world, we kind of want to talk about the story, but the, the, the personal stories. Wakefield, I mean, Andrew Wakefield, for people who don't remember, he, he's this guy. He is like the, and I just ran across this again the other day. He's at uh, University of London. I'm one of the top medical schools in the country. And he's running like a whole division, like with 20, you know, researchers under him. He's the guy, you know, and uh, he just starts having patients come in and report, hey, look, I'm a mom. I know my kid got vaccinated and now they're autistic. And he was a gastrointestinal guy. And that's the approach he took at it. He said, hey, what? He wasn't even so much from the uh, initially from the vax thing. He was like, what's the gastrointestinal? The gastrointestinal thing seems to be somehow related to this autism thing. And then later he finds the link between the gastrointestinal thing and the vax thing, and he starts putting it together. But the point is, what they did to that guy, what they did to, you know, and somebody who never came out. <clears throat> As, as he never really came out as quote unquote anti-vax, he just came out with, you know, oh my God, to say, hey, I think we need to, I think we need to test this because he made the uncanny observation, like, this is like scary that, you know, we've tested these vaccines individually, but we've never tested them the way that we give them. We give somebody just seven of them all at the same time, boop, right in your arm, you know. We've never tested how that works. We just tested individually. Shouldn't we test them individually? Boom. 
He gets shut down. He gets his medical license taken away. And there is no basis for it. So I, I think sometimes the people are the the super interesting part of these stories that uh, we, we just, they're, they're interesting. And, and sometimes we just go to the narrative and forget about the people, which is interesting. Did, did you ever look into Wakefield? Or you- oh, no, I 100% looked into Wake, Wakefield, but to the... To where I don't know what team he's playing for, if I can be candid. And I and I don't like being the guy I, – I don't want to be the guy that's like, oh, you know, I don't know if he's a shill or not. I mean, like, I want to like Andrew Wakefield because he's he's on my team, right? But I, I don't know where he's coming from because there's this guy, Dr. Pediatia. He has a health podcast. And during the vaccine rollout, he had all of the clowns come on, Dr. Paul Offit, Dr. Peter Hotez, like the complete vaccine shills. Even when I thought vaccines were still good, I was listening to Joe Rogan and he had Dr. Peter Hotez on and I couldn't stand the guy. He was just like snarky and rude and Joe would ask questions and Dr. Peter Hotez would just like snap at him for like any little thing. I was like, this guy's a jerk. I could hardly make it through the interview. And so Dr. Peter Atia starts having those clowns on. I'm like, oh, God. And so – but then he had one guy on who wrote a whole book. I'm pretty sure a whole book or a very lengthy article, something like that, about Andrew Wakefield. Basically saying you know, he fabricated a lot of stuff. A lot of his collaborators denounced the study that they had worked on together. And um, you know, I guess Andrew Wakefield – sued him but then like after months of dragging his feet and the judge is finally like all right we're getting the case going like no more bullshitting around andrew wakefield dropped the suit so i was just like well that's kind of damning like if he's telling a bunch of bullshit and you're gonna sue him over it why are you dropping the suit i mean like i just there's more questions there for me and I, I just can't throw my full weight of support behind Andrew Wakefield just yet. I mean, I think he says a lot of good stuff. He came out with that new documentary, 1986, The Act. I mean, that's very important information. I just I just don't know the full scope of this guy yet. And I'm, I'm just not willing to throw my weight behind him. See, I, I think there's a super interesting uh, uh, topic right there. That it seems to be, I pop in, I'm bumping up against it all the time lately, and it's kind of like uh, truth community, you know, 2.0 or 3.0 or whatever we're on, where it's like, you know, how do we, how do we remain vigilant in where the truth is, and not at the same time eat our own, you know eat our own, right? Yeah. And I, I the one thing I always look at is you know, people who've been around for a long time and have endured a lot and like Wakefield fits that category for me, I give him a lot of a lot of credit. And the thing I always say is, you know, higher than Hall of Fame battery, batting average. Higher than <laughs> higher than Hall mm, of Fame. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So gotcha. and like you're you're right to point out the act and then I think it just sharpens our 
our skills and our need to analyze the bullshit and say, okay, so let me put together the story. Let me put it together the different ways and see what makes sense. Okay, the guy's a shill. Well, that doesn't really make sense. When would he have become a shill? He completely, he completely destroyed Got his life. Yeah. His life, his life was completely destroyed. I mean, he. Imagine that. I mean, he's walking around the halls of College of London medically. You know, the the guy. You know, everyone's kissing him. Oh, there he is. And and he kind of plans. Well, I'll just trash all that and throw that away. You know. No, even that doesn't make any sense. And then the way they pillared him with just complete nonsense and put him through all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you so you got to put together the story and have it make sense. And but I'm a, I'm like what you're saying. That doesn't mean that we don't you know kind of question it. You know, I interviewed uh, David Ike when the vaccine thing. Um, first hit. And I, I, I love David Icke. I mean, again, higher than Hall of Fame batting average. Brilliant on some stuff that just people don't fully give him credit for in terms of you want to go, well, that's obvious. You know, I love his, his story about religion where he goes, well, you know, I can't do the British accent because, well, uh, our bloke goes up there and he stands there in a robe and he says, Okay, I'll tell you. God's talked to me, and I'll tell you what it means. He goes, "What's your thing to go?" Oh, I have a different religion. Mine's different. What is it? Well, my bloke stands up there, and he says this book, you know, and he says, like, and he, kind of the way he does it. It's like, oh yeah, it's all. It just you knew it, but now I just made it. It's all the same fucking shit, you know. And how did we ever even get our mind around the fact that any of that could have been real? On, on any religious sense, not on the spiritual sense, because I think the data is overwhelming that there is this spirituality, there's this extended consciousness, there is this God, for lack of a better term. But the religion is completely fake, as far as I can tell. And that's something we should really talk about, because I think it's it's key to a lot of things you're talking about. But I, I do want to get to that, but I, I want to pull a Skeptico rabbit out of my hat, because there's something that I want to address with you. Because you've addressed it on multiple other shows, and I know you think it's kooky and wacky, and of course there's a virus. Like, that's your whole thing. And especially the Tom Cowan podcast. Alex, that was brutal, dude. I mean, like, 15 minutes in, I guess we're at, at an impasse. Boop! <laughs> that's the end of it. And so, dude, I mean... Bravo on the Dan Wilson podcast. That was masterful. That was a master class. I mean, it was just, what about this study? Not statistically significant. What about this one? Not statistically significant. Just one right after another. Yeah, I read that whole study. I can read a study and then you throw in your credentials. I got a PhD in computer science, I'm pretty sure. Right? I, I was I was there. I didn't didn't cross the finish line. I started a company, but it, yeah, I was a research associate at University of Arizona, and I was working towards my dissertation. So yeah, hell yeah! And so you throw your weight behind it, and you're just like, bro, I can read a study. These studies don't amount to shit. And it's just one right after another. I sent it to my girlfriend, and she's like, oh my god. So I I mean, and then. Uh, there was this woman that was on Greg's podcast, The Higher Side Chats, uh, Dr. Norica Gaudis. 
And she wrote a 72-page dissertation on how masks don't do shit and they're actually harmful. So, I mean, I was already privy to that, but I just love the utter smackdown that was the Dan Wilson show. But, like, how, how can we really quantify this pandemic in terms of, like, it being – it's not even severe. In February, we had out of China. But hold, hold on. Can, can we put a stop on that? Because let's do. It. I, I, I like with the first part of where you're going. So Tom Cowan, uh, Tom Cowan, I was I, I lost my totally lost my cool <laughs> because he, <laughs> he just he started doing the flatter shit, which just drives me nuts. You know, just drives me nuts. The, the, the flatter that they thing. hadn't purified the virus. Is that it? Well, well, here's the thing with these guys who are into the germ theory, terrain theory kind of thing. There's no such thing as virus. You know, it can't really do it and stuff like that. So when I talked to Greg on, on his show, I thought we, we kind of covered this really completely. The, the, the go-to case on this, in my mind, again, I like the, I like the old history, uh, not just because I'm old, but because when you get 50, 60 years down the line on the history, you can kind of look at it. It's a clear lens, you know? So go back to polio, you know? Go back to mm-hmm. polio. I live out here in San Diego, you know, drive on the highway, you can go by Detroit Pines Golf Course, and woo, you go by the Salk Institute. I don't know how many millions. It's an unbelievably beautiful building. The guy who invented the polio vaccine. And uh, if you look at that history, polio was the scourge, man. Polio was the number one thing that people were afraid of. And when this guy announced that he had the cure, news reporters actually wept at the press conference, wept with joy that they're, they're... a cure was here to the scourge of polio, you know. Da, da, da. So here's the story that's it's so great, but the story cuts both ways. So gotta remember it. There's this guy, uh, what's his name? Alton Oshner. And uh he's a, he's a <laughs> I don't know what you call it, he's a doctor in New Orleans. And he jumps right into this polio thing. Uh, like we can, this is very reminiscent of today. He says, hey, I want to start manufacturing that fucking vaccine. You know, I got in over here at Cutter Labs. They're kind of, that's my kind of pharmaceutical company. We're going to start making that vaccine. And he does, he starts cranking it up, cranking it up. And one of the women who's testing the vaccine, testing the, uh, yeah, testing the vaccine starts injecting the vaccine they're producing and starts injecting in these monkeys and these monkeys are dying. These monkeys are getting polio. And she kind of goes, uh, I'm sorry, but I think the vaccine, there's something right. He goes, hey, 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 hey. This is, there's nothing wrong with this vaccine. There's millions of lives at stake. Do you realize what a crisis? We have to get this vaccine out there. He says, I'll tell you how confident I am. And he brings a, this is like real history. He orders a public presentation and he brings his two grandchildren forward and he says, I'll show you how safe it is. I'll inject them. And he ejects each of them. One of them dies within 24 hours and the other one within 48 hours develops severe, severe polio. Now, (laughs) his son, whose kids, I mean, he's devastated. He actually sues his dad, but he drops the suit, but. 
you know, imagine what those Thanksgiving dinners were like, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but there's two points to that. One is vaccines can be fucking dangerous. But the second thing is viruses can be dangerous. Viruses are real. And if you get a viral over, if you get a viral load that is beyond your immune system's ability to handle it, it's not going to be so good for your health. So Tom Cowan, fake fuck, and Andrew Kaufman, fake fuck. There's no such thing as viruses. No one's ever gotten sick from a virus. Tell them to go back to that story because that story is not just about vaccines. It's a story about viruses. So, because the, the vaccine is a virus and the virus killed the people right in front of everybody's eyes. So this idea that, you know, it's complicated, right? Like all the things you're saying about this, clearly it's a pandemic. Clearly it's a pandemic. I don't know how, why they pulled it off. How, you know, I, it's amazing, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> they, they, they orchestrated it. But Tom Cowan, there's, they've never isolated the, show me, show me the earth isn't round. Well, here's a telescope. Look, look at Mars. All the planets are there. All the no, no, no. Show me mine. Show me. Prove it to me, to my satisfaction. Well, who the fuck here? Who are you, Tom? We don't have to prove it to you. You're an idiot. Mm. Uh, there's just, all right. Those are two guys on the surface level, right? That That's uh, Dr. Kaufman and Dr. Cowan. Now, I will say, I knew about Dr. Cowan before all of this virus mania, and he was like a leading researcher on how the heart is actually a valve and not a pump and like all of this stuff. And Ben Greenfield loves Dr. Thomas Cowan, and I would trust Ben Greenfield with my life. I mean, that motherfucker knows so much about health, and he's written all of these books, and yeah, he's a Christian, but I mean, th he is spot on with health. I trust. I trust Ben Greenfield to the nines when it comes to that stuff. And he would he has had Dr. Thomas Cowan on multiple times and found his work fascinating and very compelling. So I like Dr. Thomas Cowan and the whole purify virus thing. I don't know. I don't think it really matters. Uh, Zach Bush came out and he was talking about how there's 10 to the 30 viruses inside of you, 10 to the 30 viruses in the ground, 10 to the 30 viruses in the air. We're looking at 10 to the 100 viruses, damn near, that we have to deal with every day, all the time. So what they isolated one. There's 10 to the 99 more that we got to deal with. Ryan, do you think that was bioengineered? Uh. I'm trying to figure it all out, man. The, the, I mean, the evidence I, to me for the, the evidence to me for bioengineering it is overwhelming. And even the guy from the CDC, as soon as he retired, he said, "Yeah, it's, it's bioengineered. There's no way this thing is is natural." And but that's my conspiracy mind starts coming in. It's like, why is the ex CDC director? No, no, forget, forget, the, forget, forget the, for, well, but forget that for a minute and go look at the science and the guys who say because. What they do is they do the, the, the gene sequencing of the virus, right? They do the gene sequencing mm -hmm. of it, and they say, oh, look, you know, here's this segment, here's this segment. The chances that those came together in nature, you know, and the, 
the bat flew over the thing. He's goes, I've never seen anything like it. Doesn't happen. So it has become. I don't. I have never used the word scientific consensus, but I the the smart money that I listen to says yes. It appears to be. We can never be sure. It appears to be bioengineered, and the the follow the money gets you there too, right? I mean, the whole Moderna bullshit where they have the patent on it a year before, and it, all that stuff points to pre knowledge of a bioengineered uh, virus. So again, take a step back. As soon as you have that, it's game over for this question of they haven't isolated isolated it. I don't care about engineered the freaking thing. I don't care about isolation and this and that purification. I'm just I mean, saying, like, they, it, it isolate is 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 it's a moot point. They if they engineered it, they certainly not isolate it. Mm-hmm. It's 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 all of the events that took took place event 201 Claydex, this spars document that we have now the lockstep the rockefeller lockstep document i mean they've been obviously like yes what you're saying it is a pandemic what about all of the numbers though where we had an 80 percent false positive rate for the pcr it was a study on pubmed out of china and then cnn comes out and says 50 percent so it's like all right well cnn's bullshit i mean we know that it's going to be upwards of 80 percent and you know, I, I had been saying all along, like, PCR is not bullshit, dude. Carrie Mullis won a Nobel Prize for making that. It's a it's a good technology. It's great technology. He won a goddamn Nobel Prize for it. But the cycle rate, a new study has come out. They say that you should run the cycle rate around 12. There, the CDC was recommending 35, 40, 45. I mean, the numbers are way overinflated. So if we're looking at a way overinflation of all of these cases and all of this BS from a faked up, cooked up uh, cycle rate by the CDC, where is all – and like people are getting sick, man. I mean, I know my friends have told me, bro, it's unlike anything that I've had. It's, you know, people lose their smell, they lose their taste. And at first it was like, oh, well, you always do when you have a cold. It's like, bro, it's not like that. Like I didn't have it for a month. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, I have to, I have to sit down and reevaluate this. Now, Matt Landman says could be connected to 5G, could be radiation sickness. But I'm just like, well, Matt, if that's the case, why do we have these numbers that show that nobody's really getting more sick out of the ordinary? Like there's not an over influx of patients in hospitals. They said the hospitals were full. That was bullshit. The PCR test is over inflating cases. If we have all of this over inflation of numbers, the CDC comes out and says 94% of people who died with coronavirus uh, actually had three other comorbidities. I believe specifically it was 27 but they're saying three other comorbidities, including cancer, heart attacks, diabetes, like all these things. And okay, okay, but look, Ryan, do, do okay. this for me. Ground me. No, I'm going to do the opposite of ground you. I'm going to send okay. you off on the on the rocket ship. Put on the other hat. Switch the hat around. Now you're fucking. You're running the game. You're in the Hunger Games. You're the game master. How do you do this thing? You know, and number one, realize that you don't, just like in the Hunger Games, you don't know how the game's going to go. So you set it up the best you can, and then it starts rolling out, and then you got to adapt and move, and, you know, the virus morphs, 
and you think it's going to kill this many, and damn it, well, you didn't engineer it quite good enough. It's killing, okay. Well, what do we say now? Oh, okay, well, what about your mask? You've got to wear uh, scientific edicts. Don't question. Okay, that's, well, that's working, but oh, wait a minute. I mean, play the whole thing out. How do you do it? What's your goal? How are you going to control? How are you going to, how is this going to lead to your ultimate aim? What is your ultimate aim? Start putting that hat on and the whole thing looks different. Stop thinking that, think reactive, not proactive. Yeah, they had a plan, but their plan, like a lot of plans, like Mike Tyson, the first time you get punched in the face, the plan goes to shit. Hey, this plan kind of went to shit. But they kind of recovered pretty good, too. They're still in it. You know, I just read today, today, man, this is talk about inside baseball, but you will appreciate this. So I was aware of the phony PCR testing and the false positive, but I was just aware at a very surface level, you know, I didn't want to dig into it. So then for reasons I won't even go into, had to dig into it, found out just exactly what you're saying completely fake when you upcycle it. World World Health Organization comes and says, look, man, if you're upcycling it, if you're amplifying those viruses by more than 35, 37, forget it. Just, it's just, forget it, you know? So, and do this, man, I'll send it to you. Do the fact check on that, right? Because we live in the fact check world, you know? And the fact check world on that is, I digress here, but you know, if you ever watch, my wife is kind of into true crime and she's a forensic psychologist, so she has a right to be into true crime. But you ever watch those murder shows and you see the, you know, the wife who whacked her husband, you know, and then they have her uh, an interrogation. They go, you know, did you kill your husband? And they got, she goes, uh, I don't have any information on uh, who shot my husband. You know, it's like... <laughs> Okay, all right, good. You know, so it almost passes. And then you think about it, I go, that was a really simple question. You know, did you kill him? And then you answered it in this kind of roundabout, weird way. That's the fact check on the PCR. So the fact check on the PCR, the one that I came across, goes, uh, the World Health Organization has said that if the upcycling is more than 37%, the PCR test is unreliable. False. <laughs> and then here's what it says. Here's what it says. It says, we still hold to the same recommendation about the PCR test. Okay, you, you still hold to the same recommendation. What about the facts? And then they go on and they further obfuscate it by saying, you know, it's, they, they basically repeat everything that the World Health Organization said, that if you upcycle us, you know, a small little bit of DNA, it can show and this and that. But we still do, 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 do. We still, da, da, da. And, and the tone of it was this other tone that I think, you know, back to the agenda, back to what are they really all about? The, the, what I got through, what came through to me was quit worrying about the science, do what we say, follow our advice. Here's what, here's what our thing is. Don't question what we're telling you. I just heard today that uh, Dr. Joseph McCullough, I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work, but I mean, he's huge in the alternative health community. And I wanted to talk to you about atheism because like that was like my first 
waking up is is atheism and the food industry because it was just like you know this this uh high carb low fat uh, approach that they want us all to follow is is complete bs um but dr joseph mccullough you know who pushed a lot of uh uh, animal fats and uh, you know obviously grass-fed, grass-finished beef and and organ meats and all that kind of stuff. And he's been coming out since day one of this COVID nonsense, and he's just like, dude, none of this backs it up. It's not an emergency. It's not a huge threat. Um, and now the vaccines, he's like, don't take the vaccine. We don't know anything. Like the science doesn't look good. And now he just announced, he's like, due to the authoritarian nature of our government that we now live in, I'm deleting my 25-year archive of all of my articles, all of my interviews, everything. He's taking it all down. And so I was – because – because so the podcast was by Legal Man, and I'm having him on tomorrow. He, he's great if you haven't heard of him. But uh, he was just playing Dr. Mercola's thing – and because he was part of the disinfo dozen that was named by the White House in that uh, New York Times article, he was like the number one guy. And so he just recently came out and he's deleting, he's taking everything down off of his website. And he said, I'll still post articles, but they're only going to be up for 48 hours before they're taken down forever. So he's taken down 25 years, thousands of podcast thousands of articles thousands but i still this, don't follow i don't i don't follow the, i don't follow the logic the you know cut your thumb to spite your hand kind of thing i mean what's the deal uh, i'm it's just it's getting crazy i i mean like we we can go away from the from the covid thing i i don't know why i just thought about it right now because i was just listening to it today but I mean, but are I you mean, saying are you saying he's just like you were saying that the the science like oh, disregard the science we don't care about the science Mercola who is all about the science you know he's showing look at this paper look at that paper look at this paper the amount of governmental pressure who knows because he was so vague in his video and I think on purpose because I mean what can you really say if you're threatened by you know whoever. But 25 years of this guy helping millions of people with diet advice, and and now it's just all going to be gone because he was. Yeah, to me, to me, it's, to me, that is the wrong response. I mean, like somebody I was just talking to a guy yesterday I was interviewing me, and he was like, you know, hey, what do you think about science? And I go, we're fucked. <laughs> I mean, it, it's <laughs> it, 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 it's just but. And then he pushed back and goes. I'm not so sure we are, you know, because there still is this stream of real stuff that's coming out and we're developing this alternative channel of bringing it forward. And I had to come around and say, you know, you're, you're right. I mean, if there's any way forward, it's the truth and is, it is science. It's, you know, I'm glad you liked Dan Wilson, you know, cause it's like, it's like, Funky Dan, Funky Dr. Dan Wilson, <laughs> MIT, PhD, biology, and he presents a, like you said, he presents an experiment that's a null result. It's not, not conclusive. You're like, Dan, where did you, where did you get that PhD again? Say, well, I think, I, I know it was a null result, but I think what they meant was, what do you mean that they, they meant? It was null result. So 
But that's a real conversation. So is that progress? I think it is. So I think some of these, I don't know why he would do that. To me, that's missing the point. The only way, do you think we're going to like, that the machine is going to roll over tomorrow and go, okay, I'm sorry, Mark Golick, I'm back. You know, no, it's, we're at a different, it's a different game. It's a different battle. We're, we're just, we're fighting it in a different way. It's guerrilla warfare. But I mean, this guy is so big. He's reaching millions of people, you know, probably tens of millions every time he posts an article or something like that of all the people in the alternative health community. So obviously he was part of the disinfo dozen. And if the full force of the American government, you know, they identify you as one of the 12 media distributors in America that is pushing uh, anti-vax material or something like that, and they're going to protect their interests because they have a huge interest, as you know, in making sure everybody takes this vaccine. So, no, if that's I mean, what you're saying, you, if that's what you're saying, I'm totally with you. If you're saying, hey, this guy got the tap, got the tap on the shoulder, you know, saying, hey, oh, no, no. If, if that's if that's he's either if that's the implication, then I understand that. I mean, yes. if, I'll tell you publicly, if they came to me and said, I'm such a small, tiny little minnow. But if they came to me and said, hey, <laughs> you, your family, the whole thing, you know, which that's a great thing about the UFO thing. I love the UFO thing. I hope we talk a little bit about it. But, you know, it's like they roll out the UFO thing. They roll out the UAP thing. It's like, dude, you know how many people they went to and they said, you will die. Not only you will die, your whole family will die, motherfucker, if you ever utter one word of that. And now we're just, oh, no, we're all friends. Yeah, there was, yeah, there's UFOs. What's the big deal? You know? Yeah, but yeah. no, you, you threatened my family. Ah, nah, don't worry about that. So that stuff's real. If that's what Marco is going through now, and he can't, if he is, then he can't say that. He can't say they're threatening my family. Exactly. That's. That's what I was getting at. I mean, I think he he was threatened somehow, some way. And he I even in the short, like two minute clip that he put up where he said he was taking down twenty five years worth of work off his website, he, he kept saying authoritarian, authoritarian, these horrible times that we live in, these anti free speech times, like I mean, he was obviously coerced into doing so. There's there's no doubt in my mind that that's what he was hinting at. Yeah. So let's shift gears a little bit. And I wanted to talk about your Matthew Alper <laughs> podcast because, dude, like I said, my – why I found it compelling because I I was in that world. I was an atheist. Like I was raised Catholic, went to mass with my mom and my dad and sister, and it, it was – always like praying at night you know i i do a little sign of the cross kiss to the sky right before a football game you know god give me some good juice dude i gotta get gotta rack up some sacks tonight and so uh you know getting into atheism when i was in college i took a philosophy class and actually my uh professor was christian himself but i i would get in arguments with him all the time and slowly like i just I let go. I I was a deist, and then I'm just like, nah, like the whole thing is fake. Like materialistic atheism. Sam Harris, Dan Dennett, all these guys, they're my crew. And then so listening to Matthew Alper where he's like, I'm a strict materialist atheist and nothing can change my mind. Like, all right, then that's a dogma. 
That's a religion. And that's what you were harping at. You're like, but dude, the NDE science, he's like, where can you get a degree in that, Alex? Where can you get a, can I go to Ohio State University and get a degree in near-death experience? No, I can't. So it's fake. And I'm just like, how do you just throw that out the window? But a few years back, I would have been like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's completely logical. Alex is just being, you know, nonsensical here. Well, so, you know, this, <laughs> you want to really get me cranked up. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is like my path. And it's like one of the more interesting parts of like my journey, as I mentioned, is the conspiracy thing, man. The conspiracy thing has really changed it for me. The science is still my core, but the conspiracy thing is really what lights my fire. And the conspiracy here is the when people say that they're atheist what they don't realize is that they're making a scientific statement and a lot of times people will dodge that no it's not a scientific statement it just means that i don't believe in god and you don't even know what what kind of god it's like no 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 look here's the fundamental scientific idea it's back to the daniel dennett consciousness is an illusion you are a biological robot in a meaningless universe. Consciousness just somehow comes out of your brain. It isn't fundamental. So that is, that is you cannot have a different position on that if you're an atheist. It doesn't make sense to have a different position. You are locked into that if you're atheist. It just turns out that's been falsified over and over again, right? So talk about this like a million times, but you can go all the way back to the old double slit experiment that, you know, people have heard about, but they don't really know. But what I always point out is that's just a consciousness experiment. That's what it is. It said, hey, you know, can your consciousness change the experiment? Because if your consciousness can change the experiment, can change the wave to the particle beam, then all bets are off. It's no longer materialism, you know, it's all different. And the guys who did those experiments, the leading physicists in the world and the names that we still know, Schrodinger and Niels Bohr and Max Planck, Einstein, even though he wasn't sure at the beginning, they all understood the implications. They all understood, oh, this is, you know, this cuts it one way or another. There's no in-between here. So if you're atheist, you don't understand that science and you don't understand the implications of it. Now, the implications of it aren't that Jesus Christ is your Savior and died on the cross for your sin. That's not the implications of that experiment. But the implications are that consciousness, that little voice inside your head, is there's a reality to it, even if we don't even know exactly what that reality is. Then the other thing that's pretty easy to get to, because every culture throughout time across the world has gotten to it, is, gee, there seems to be this extended consciousness realm. You know, I hear these, somebody saw a ghost. Oh, really? I was married to my wife for 40 years, and after she died, I could smell her perfume, you know, just a big, you know, out of nowhere when I, you know, this. Uh, she talked to me, you know. 60% of, of people who have that long-term relationship lose somebody after-death communication. Hey, we've got mediums. We test them every which way we can, you know, Julie Bichel, PhD, pharmacology, and boom! Real information's getting through. So now, near-death experience, like you said. So now you start testing 
because now you, you know consciousness is real. So now you start testing the range of this extended consciousness and all the data starts coming in. Oh, okay, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. All of that fits, all of that adds, <laughs> adds weight to the Christians. You know, the Christians are wrong because they're hung up on this stupid Bible thing. But in general, they're right in that there's more, you know, we're more. We, we're not just biological robots in a meaningless universe. So, the, the, but I kind of did go long way around the barn. It's a conspiracy that they ever sold that idea. I mean, you always knew that you were more. You always knew. I remember a long time ago, I interviewed this guy, and uh, I, I, it was rock when I first started doing the biological robot thing. And I go, no, dude, don't tell me. You don't really believe you're a biological robot in a meaningless universe. And he goes, well, if science tells me that, then that's what I believe. <laughs> I, oh, my God. <laughs> well, that's, that's it. That's it. You know, so you could be Christian and you say, well, if the Bible tells me that, I believe. You're an atheist. You say, well, if the science tells me that, that's what I believe. The data's out there. The science is out there. We are more. And then it gets interesting. Then it gets interesting from there. So, like, at one point, I just have to throw this out because you had a great interview. And I think this was a I, – I listened – this is an interview you did, and I don't think it was an interview per se, but a show you did. And you talk about John Mack, Jacques Vallée, and uh, Keel. Yes. And like, do you do you want do you want to talk about that, or, or you want to talk about something else first? I just want to throw that out there because I want to. Make no, sure no, no. Let's that. talk about it. Let, let's go into it. Um. What specifically are you referencing about about that show? Okay, so you did a beautiful, beautiful uh, job with this because <coughs> pardon me, the COVID still <coughs> hasn't cleared. <coughs> but I'll do them in reverse order. John Mack. John Mack, if anyone's forgotten, he was this Harvard psychologist or maybe he's a psychiatrist i don't know but he was the shit man i mean number one he looked like a freaking movie star he looked like he wrote a book on uh who's the guy uh uh the, the saudi arabian uh, prince of uh you know he won the won the pulitzer prize was just in new york times uh published all the time and was the shit at harvard man and he thought he could do whatever he wanted to. So one of his colleagues in the 90s says, hey, there's this guy who's looking into UFOs. He's looking into abductees. He's got people coming to him and saying they were abducted by aliens. And John Mack, you know, like, oh, how ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that guy. That guy, uh, he's, uh, he's that artist guy in New York. Yeah, let's... I'll talk to him. I'll embarrass the shit out of him. So he goes to talk to him, and he goes, pretty quickly, this Bud Hopkins, he goes, wow. Uh, I don't know if there's anything here, but I can't dismiss it out of hand like I thought. And he dives into it because he's John Mack. He can do anything. He goes, what to like, I, I interviewed, the guy I interviewed on this, very interesting guy, Ralph Blumenthal from the New York Times. The guy was like a 30-year veteran in the New York Times. And also the guy who uh, bylined 
the story on the Tic Tac release, December 17, bylined mm-hmm. that story with Leslie Kane, which, wow. again, you could start putting together these connections, but not. Ralph is super. I don't have any questions. I think he got totally duped there, but I, I don't know what that means. I digress. Blumenthal's story, he tells an excellent story, wrote an excellent book on John Mack. So John Mack starts investigating, as you say, and you kind of cut it down to one, one sentence. I'm going to drag it out. He starts interviewing these people, and, and he says, hey, this is what I do. I figure out whether people know what they're do- know what they're talking about, whether they're delusional or not. I could tell you by every means that I know of, these people are tr- telling the truth. This is real. And he goes. Moreover, you know, some of these people are super young. They're three, four years old. Very, very difficult to even imagine how they would be. Not just not that they're not delusional, but that they could even concoct the story. Just no, it's just everything my training tells me is that, that this is real, right? Now, as you point out, he goes on later in his career and he says, wow, all of a sudden, I'm not sure. This is looking now like there's some kind of crazy interdimensional, that's another reality, this and that. But here's the thing, again, for a long story with a small point, and I talked to this about Ralph Blumenthal, the big misunderstanding about John Mack, and it's an exact parallel for Jacques Vallée. John Mack isn't saying E.T. isn't real. He's not saying abductions aren't real. He's saying your fucking reality isn't real. He's saying what you fucking think is like reality, where the position that you're analyzing this stuff, you think that shit's real. That's the least real. You are in the least real position to evaluate any of that shit. And that's what I hear uh, Jacques Vallée saying too, because I interviewed Jacques Vallée and he says both, you know, he says the fairies and he says also, yeah, but we had the landing thing and here's the slug from the chain. We did the micro, uh, you know, spectrometer kind of thing. No, man, this reality is like the least reliable reality to look at any of that shit. What do you think? Of, and then Keel is interesting because he's a Christian. So he, he, he and so the Christians, the Christians can only go so far with that. And then they have to pack it into, you know, demons and stuff like that, as if we know what demons are, back into consciousness, as if we know what consciousness is. But they always have to come back to a level of reality. See, they can't, they can't totally jump ship like John Mack does. Because the Christian, if he jumps there and you go, okay, so then you're saying, but Jesus isn't real then. Like, oh, no, 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 hold on. I, I have a carve out here for Je- Yeah, Jesus is, is real. But yeah, there's a lot of other stuff there. It's, we don't know if it's real or not. Yeah, but you're Jesus thing in your Bible thing, your Bible thing, that's real too. Yeah. Yeah. David Koresh, he memorized the whole thing. He used it to fuck 12 year old girls to convince their parents that they should let him fuck him. But no, the Bible, it's, it's, that's, that's solid. We carve that out. Yeah. Hmm. I, I, I fall in line with that. So 
My personal understanding at this point is that everything is spiritual. Like this this whole thing and then I was I was watching what's the big new um uh simulation theory documentary I can't remember now but I was watching it and I'm just like that seems like bullshit like it doesn't seem like like it's ones and zeros it's it, again it seems like a gnostic thing which I was super into the gnostic thing and now I'm falling back on that although like my personal understanding is that there is some kind of entity that presides over this dimension that just makes it fucking hard for us. Like, and I wanted to talk to you about this, whether the archons are good or bad, because like if a demon makes me do some stupid shit and I fall into that, isn't that a lesson learned not to do it again? Like, in a roundabout way, didn't that Archon, that demon, that alien help me to learn to do better in the future? Now, where it gets, where I think about that more is with you, the evil question. So, are the, are the Archons helping us or hurting us? Because child trafficking man i mean like what you can't make an argument that these people that are engaging in this horrible act like i was listening to your podcast with kevin and these people that are engaging in this act and doing it for means of like some kind of satanic ritual abuse or something like that they're obviously communicating with something um, and that doesn't seem like an entity that is trying to trick us so we can learn. I mean, it seems like something way more sinister than that. And that us learning is just a byproduct of the experience. So I, I go through these mental gymnastics all the time and that's what I, that's what I think these aliens are. You know, in the beginning, I was saying that uh, all of this disclosure is just a ritual for us to bring the demons, for them to incarnate into the world. <laughs> I don't know if that's even like a if that's a reality. But also something I want to talk to you about is like, why is the book of Revelation? It seems like a script, man. I mean, it seems like. And for me, the Bible has been manipulated throughout history. King James, 72 scholars helping him. And then like the eso in the esoteric circles, you know, there was this guy who was on Miguel's podcast. He wrote a book about the 72 Na Ferem Hashesh, you know, however, however it's said, but there's 72 angels. And so King James had the help of 72 scholars to write the King James version of the Bible. I'm just like, well, it seems like King James might have been doing some channeling or something like that. So uh, 
I don't know, man. There, there's so many questions with the whole ET thing. Like I, I had a podcast with Gregory Lessing Garrett. Um, yeah, I and heard that. Well, yeah, and I, I like Greg a lot. He's a cool guy, but he's super Christian and flat Earth. So you're just like two thumbs down. Gregory Lessing Garrett's gone. <laughs> so, so uh, but you know what we both concluded on was. The last psyop is the aliens, man. I mean, like that is that that's the last one. Once they bring the aliens, well, well, but, uh, what's, is it the first one? Uh, did you ever, ever? Do you know Bruce Fenton? Or did you? Yeah. Ever, yeah. You, have you yeah. interviewed? You haven't interviewed him yet. No, I haven't. But I just listened to uh, the one that Greg did with him. Yeah. So see if if you want, I'd, I'd be happy to help you get him on. So, anyways, Bruce Fenton, drive the take the stake, lift it up, move it back to seven hundred eighty eight thousand years ago. Boom, drive that in the ground. There's an alien craft above Earth. It blows up because the ETs here and there are on board, and it rains down. Okay, so just put that as a working hypothesis, then you can falsify it or not falsify it. Bruce makes a, a very compelling case, including physical evidence of the astrotectite stuff and the debris field and all that. If that's true, and he also brings physical evidence with the genetic. So 780,000 years ago, now you'd have to exactly reverse your statement, which is the first PSYOP is ET engineering humans ongoing forever and continuation now pick it up so uh, i mean greg and i also covered that like the whole panspermia idea that we were seated here by the aliens in kind of a uh what what's what's the god that stole the he stole the fire from the gods um uh prometheus Prometheus. So like the whole Prometheus idea, like the movie where, um, you yeah, know, I, I, I get that. I get that. And, and I think the astro theology stuff is kind of interesting, but I, I, I like to kind of switch. So, but- and just to talk a little shit real quick, I was so uninterested in that podcast and I'm sorry, Micah, like, it, I mean, I'm sorry, dude, but I was, I was very uninterested. I don't know if that came across in the podcast and whenever I offered any pushback, it was it was like pulling teeth, and he was obviously upset that I even offered any criticism at all. Was this Micah? Yeah, <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah, and I would offer even a little pushback, and he just seemed annoyed. I was like, "Sorry, dude, you don't just come on my podcast, blow my mind, and then walk off the stage and drop the mic." I'm just like, well, I offered how do you get a metaphysical understanding of the world through astrotheology. So like, you don't. It's a farmer's almanac. I'm like, that's that's stupid, dude. No, it's not. There's so much more to it. Hey, Ryan, credit to you. I thought. I, I mean, I, I don't mind. Uh, obviously, a little bit of uh, friction on these shows, but I, incredibly useful. I thought you and hard to do. Hard to do. So few people do it. I think you honed in. On exactly, exactly the question, which is to say, wow, that's super interesting. All your astrotheology stuff is super interesting, but now make it fit into the bigger picture. You know, like is, so what is the purpose of that? Is there, how does it fit into God? 
well, there's no fucking God. Does that prove that there isn't any God? I, I believe in God. Convince me otherwise, you know, which I hate. You never do that. But anyways, yeah, I, I had the same interview with uh, with Matheson. You know, if you ever know Dave Matheson and the star. Yeah, I listened to it. I mean, I love the guy on one hand, but all these guys who are evangelical, reformed evangelical Christians, they just take that vibe and they just apply it to the next to the next one so that's my frustration for him exactly identical to yours uh, and and i kind of like to cut to the chase and kind of poke people a little bit i said okay said david you're saying it's all et because no it's no i'm not saying it's all et well could it just be all et well I, I, no you missed the point you know it's like you know, and that's what i heard you say it's like okay so it's a loosening of orion's belt okay so Great. Why do they want to do that? What's the, what's the point? You know, and he did not have a response, and that's why he got mad. Yeah, and you know, Michael was saying it, it. The fall comes before the pride, or the pride comes before the fall. And he's like, "Do you know what that means?" I'm like, "Yeah, I've heard every interview you've ever done because I listen to podcasts all day at work. So I've I've heard you frame this and put it up to the podcaster a thousand times. Let me just nail this real quick. So then I said exactly what it meant. He's like, "Oh, so you have heard me talk about it before?" I'm like, "Yeah, I have." And, but it's if you're going to make the claim that the Bible is a farmer's almanac that they used for uh, space weather to tell when winter is coming, when to plant their crops. Bullshit, dude. I I study numerology out the ass. The numerology in the Bible, you couldn't – like no human man, I don't care if it's Shakespeare or Francis Bacon or whoever, could put that together. I think the Bible is divinely inspired. Whatever that means, I don't know, um, and I don't pretend to know, but – it's definitely divinely inspired. Sure, there's astrotheology in the Bible. There's a, there's a lot of it. And Micah paints that picture. But so you take the astrotheology, you take the numerology, you take everything about the Bible, and then it's just like, that's not man made. And if it is man made, bro, Francis Bacon, cheers to you, dog, because you outdid yourself. I mean, give me a break that it's a farmer's almanac. I just I, – I couldn't get past that point. But we don't have to keep harping on this. Um, I, I wanted to talk to you mainly why I find your work so interesting is the evil question because that's how I broke out of atheism was when I started getting into the conspiratorial realm and I start realizing why is Laura Gaylor Silsby – uh, getting 33 Haitian children. Why Why is this element of sacrifice and the finder's cult? What's that? The Franklin scandal. And you start looking into all these things and you're just like, what the hell is going on here? This sacrifice child. Uh, and then you start going round and round. And I love how you nail into the ground McMartin preschool, man. That kid saw like three different doctors. And the police were just like, Dude, this is obviously child rape. Like, there's something weird going on here. And didn't they just announce that, like, oh, yeah, there were tunnels at McMartin Preschool. So, I mean, well, you, we were conspiracy theorists forever. Everybody pointing that out. There were tunnels at McMartin Preschool. Oh, satanic panic bullshit, dude. It was like, because that's what the media frames it as. But, like, it, I think you do such a good job why evil matters. 
it, it, I, yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the shock, shock therapy. If you really open yourself up to it, you're like, whoa, wait a minute. I can't just gloss this over like I was told I could, you know, because exactly what you said. It's hard for Sam Harris to explain why Annika Lucas was sold by her mother into sex slavery at six years old and raped a thousand times before they put her on the block for child sacrifice, which she had seen other kids do and danced around with their robes on and was only saved because one guy risked his life and eventually lost his life to rescue her from that. And it's part of a case that was in the news, Dutroux, and we see the see the photos in the magazines, the German magazines, the kids in the cages. Some of the kids died because when Dutroux was in prison, he couldn't get back and feed them. See, Sam Harris, he don't got none of that. He ain't got like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, hey, it's a social construct, man. It's, you know. Some people like to do stuff, you know. No, that doesn't. We all know that doesn't doesn't explain it. That's what they say about Jeffrey Epstein, man. They make it like a salacious headline, like just Lane Maxwell, like Jeffrey Epstein and his mistress trafficked young girls, fourteen and up. Like they, 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 they yes. and they make that very apparent. Oh, 14 and up. So it's like, all right, well, they're teenagers, you know. Like some weirdos could like justify like, oh, yeah, full fourteen. I mean, like that's not that bad, but. I mean, they, they try and justify it like, oh, you know, it's this salacious headline, like underage girls at Jeffrey's private mansion on an island. And, and But what about the brownstoning operation? How about he had rooms coated with, like, lead and cameras at every corner of the house and all the – where's that? Where's that in the Netflix special? Why are we just hearing about, like, 14-year-old girls, ooh, naughty Jeffrey? Like, bro – why don't we get to the brass tacks about a lot of these things? And I listened to this. I, I've listened to this guy. His name's E.A. Coetting. And he's total black magic practitioner. He puts his shit on YouTube, which I find hilarious because my four and a half hour, like, corona expose that I made got taken off of YouTube. But this guy's doing black masses, and that stays up. So I'm just like, well, <laughs> we see where their priorities lie. But he he was talking about how... And I, I was never like an adrenochrome guy, but he was talking to me. He's like, yeah, you know, before a ritual, you know, me, my woman, and everybody else involved slit our hands, pour it in the goblet, drink it, and we get this extrasensory perception that enhances the ritual. I'm like, Jesus, if that doesn't sound like some adrenochrome drinking bullshit, I'm like, I don't know what is because – Drinking blood before a ritual to enhance its effectiveness, and like EA Coetting goes into the whole thing. So I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Well, just no. I think you're you're just emphasizing the same point, which is mm -hmm. <clears throat> how, how do you how do you jam that back into the Sam Harris's world into Neil deGrasse Tyson's world and say, oh yeah, well that's you know, boys will be boys. <laughs> Dude, I I don't even know at this point it, when it, it's so blatant yes. in your face and and it's still denied like this cognitive dissonance. I, I went through a real hard time 
when my friends they they thought I lost my because I was saying like COVID is nothing to worry about like it's probably fake this that and the other thing and like oh my god Ryan's schizophrenic I was like well what about this this paper that says that 80% false positive rate or what about this paper saying that masks don't work? What about the 72-page dissertation, dissertation by Norika Gaudis that says masks are bullshit and are actually pretty harmful? What about this podcast by Alex Sakaris where he slams Dan Wilson? What about this? What about that? It's like it's never like that. It's just, oh, well, that's just crazy talk. Well, let me ask you this because this is like super uh, personally relatable to me, and I think it gets to a core kind of thing. What was it like for you to unindoctrinate yourself from Christianity? What was it really like, you know? So, you know, I hear the story, you go to college, you start going, oh, yeah, that's bullshit, that doesn't make sense. But weren't there times when you still, you know, stressed out or whatever, you still were like, oh, God, you know, or am I, you know, am I ruining my, you know? It's hard to unindoctrinate yourself, right? It was very hard for me. It's a personal experience. Like, you have to deal with it on your own time, in your own way, when you're you're trying to show someone, like Martin Preschool, this thing, that thing, like this horrible event. Look but at the bro, Just, to, just to be clear, I'm not even talking about convincing somebody else. I'm talking about, you know, Hey, JC, come on, baby, you know, be with me now, you know, I've been there, you've been there, after I, you know, was 90% convinced that Christianity wasn't, I still had, hey, up until a couple years ago, I still got a lump in my throat when I said I'm not a Christian, to say I'm not a Christian, I was like, don't, don't exactly say that, it's tough, isn't it, I mean, it's a, for you, was it or no? Uh, I couldn't tell my mom for years after I became an atheist or or, a very long time. I I didn't have the courage to tell her because I was just like, well, you know, I think God's bullshit. And, you know, you knock down all these different things like uh, God has to be all knowing, all loving um, and then uh, all powerful. And so, like, one of those doesn't jive, you know, throw in the problem of evil like, did he know evil was going to happen? Did he intentionally put it in there? Well, then is he all loving? And then you just go through all of the mental gymnastics. And then it's like, well, how do I explain this to my mom who's been a Catholic for the last 60 years? And like, you, you just, you don't. So, I mean, yeah, it, the family thing is, is probably the hardest to deal with. And talking with my cousin at uh, two years ago at Christmas, and I'm just like, hey, man, you got a baby on the way. Should look into vaccines. Are you an anti-vaxxer? Yeah, right. Ryan? My my cousin? I was like, bro, it's worthwhile. I can send you some shit that's really that you should look at. No, no, all my kids are getting back. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, man, it's 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 a trip. It's hard. <laughs> it's super hard personally. That's what <laughs> Pardon me, I keep coughing. I really did get get COVID. It was super mild. I had a fever for one day, 
but it does kind of linger. It's been a few days since and all the rest of that stuff. But Could be the flu. Who knows? No. it's <laughs> You're like, bro, trust me. I've got the engineered virus. Well, you know, that's kind of... that's kind. I'm sorry. I'm busting balls. I'm no, just... no, that's okay. But uh, like one of the things I think is really curious and I've kind of gotten into, and this is like on the edge of my uh, credibility. So I, I, I don't know this science. I know parapsychology. I know near-death experience, reincarnation. I don't really know that other stuff. But I think the PCR testing thing is super interesting. Like you're saying, the 80% total bullshit. But the other thing that, and I swear, I, I want to find the right person, if you know somebody who's really good at making like videos. And I want to call it asymptomatic strep. Like, did you ever have strep throat as a kid? Yeah. Yeah. I was a parent. Yeah, I am a parent. I got four kids. And when they were young, if they have strep throat, you take them into the doctor. And the doctor says, well, let me look. I got to, uh, yeah, uh, sore throat sore. Okay, well, let me test. Because I got to tell you, sometimes I think it's strep and it's not. Sometimes I don't think it's strep and it is, you know. So we got to run this screen, you know. So what if tomorrow... They came along and they said, hey, we're going to the school there. We're going to test everybody for strep. Uh, parents go, what the fuck are you talking about? You only test me for strep when I have a sore throat or I have those little specks. You know, it, no, 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 no. This is what we do now. We test everybody for strep. Well, what do you mean you test? Well, we, we have this test. So then they, they run the test and then... They get a bunch of kids that test positive, and they never get sick. And the parents go, you lying motherfucker. You went through all that shit. We had to do all that. You totally bullshitted us. And they come back and go, uh, no, no, we didn't. You know what that was? That was asymptomatic strep. Oh, my God. And you go, this is a make-believe story, right? But you get the point. Somebody goes, what the fuck are you talking about? Asymptomatic strep. There's never been anything such thing as, oh, no, it's a new thing. It's called asymptomatic stress. You're just making it up because your test was shitty and it had a bunch of false positives and you're calling it this thing called asymptomatic strep. That's not real. The only time you test for strep is when you have symptoms. Guy sheepishly goes, no, I, I tell you, that's it, you know. So it's the same thing. Why I, I, did did I? So I got I got COVID. I won't say where. Uh, it was mild. I looked at the symptoms. Totally matched up. My head was sore as shit, you know, to the touch. You know, slight fever, cough, all this stuff. All the symptoms. Very mild. You know, do I need to go in and get? tested no do i need to follow basic health you know I, I was scheduled to go and visit my brother and my brother-in-law in texas canceled the trip not gonna fly if i think there's the least chance that you know i might be contagious with anything with the flu or anything else so that's an easy decision you know but other than that it's like it's just common sense that's been so distorted that we can't just sit down and go, if you have symptoms, 
then look at the symptoms and then follow the protocol and then see where that gets you, you know? Oh, okay, well now I'm, I'm better and I still have a lingering cough and it says, hey, you know, you could have a lingering cough for a while, you're not contagious, you know, your energy level's back, your appetite's back, all that stuff. So, you know, you might have a cough and a little bit of lower energy for a few days. Like, hey man, it's right on target. Uh, there's nothing else. There's nothing else to do here. There's no big. There's no big medical mystery that needs to be cracked here. So, I don't know. It's 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 incredibly frustrating. Incredibly frustrating. But that's my little COVID story. What about this level three discussion, as as you put it, level three? So, mind over matter, right? So, Dean Radin, double slit experiment. We can manipulate our reality through our consciousness. What about my position thinking that COVID's bullshit and that I'm completely fine, there's nothing for me to contract. I'm manipulating my reality and that placebo effect is allowing me to completely disregard COVID. I haven't been sick, it's actually remarkable. I haven't been sick this entire time during COVID. And that's because I'm healthy, I'm strong, I'm drinking Green 85 by Tim James, chemical free body. Like, I, I'm drinking the hydrogen water. Uh, I've got it all buttoned down. COVID's got nothing on me, man. So it's just like, if I am using my consciousness to manipulate the placebo effect so I don't get COVID, then in my reality, doesn't that mean COVID isn't real for me? Or maybe, on. maybe that gets really, uh, that gets really spiritual, you know, really quickly. And I, I think my problem with that is you've got to look out for what I call backdoor materialism, which is like, okay, I cross the Rubicon and I realize we're talking about John Mack. John Mack goes, fuck, it's not that ET isn't real. It's that I'm not real. So then what you got to avoid doing is slipping back into thinking, well, I'm kind of real because if I kind of drink the juice, then, then I'm real enough where I can, which is kind of true. You know, I'm not saying that's not true. Hey, I do the same thing. You know, I do everything. I do, you know, Wim Hof breathing hold. I do ice baths. Oh, yeah. I do all the shit. Yeah, I do John Brisson. I hate that he's a Christian, but I love his, you know, gut stuff. I, his recommended supplements I use. I'm totally, I'm not like denying that, that, but fundamentally from a spirituality standpoint, I don't know what is supposed to happen to me. And that's why when the COVID came to visit, what I did was say, okay, I need to take a lot of vitamin C. I need to get even more sunshine. I need to drink just tons of water. And then I need to let it go. It doesn't, if it stays for a while, then maybe it's supposed to stay for a while. If it leaves, maybe it's supposed to leave. I don't, I need to find, find the truth in, in that, whatever that means to me. You know what I mean? And that's just Do totally you think personal. that something's supposed to happen to you? Like your Grant Cameron podcast, he, he would say that, you get sent here to like, his specific example, which I hated, was um, 
like, Alex, you're condemning pedophiles. You'll probably come back in the next life as a pedophile, so you see what it's like. I'm just like, well, where's the free will in that? I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And, you know, it's all is all is one or something like that. Then, like, why do everything? If there's no nouns, if there's no good, there's no good, bad, there, why do anything? Why write books? Why do podcasts? Why do any of it if, it if none of it matters? And that's the point you were honing in on. But then I was kind of, you were kind of like, oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm just like, why are you with him? I'm like, nothing he's saying right now is making any sense to me. Well, I, I, I'm not with him. And I, I might have been agreeing to the to the wrong part of that. And I hate when people do that, I, you know, agree when they don't. Because uh, <laughs> I agree with you. So I agree with, you know, the idea that um, it, it's a head trip. You know, it's like, do you meditate? Um, no. So... I do the Wim Hof breathing, but I don't. You do. Don't. You, you do Wim Hof breathing, then you meditate, bro. Okay. Just when you when you release, just look up there. That's what Wim says to do. You know, Wim, a lot of people don't know this. Wim is a yogi. Wim is a yogi. Go watch the video. When he was 16 years old, he made his own yoga book. He like cut out pictures of yogis and pasted it in because he couldn't he didn't have access to. He's purely a yogi. And the I mean, when I say yogi, I mean like the asanas and the breathing, and that's where all that stuff came from. So he is totally uh, about meditation. And if you're doing the Wim Hof breathing, you're doing super meditation. It because that's one of his findings is that he can achieve if you want to measure it physiologically, he can achieve levels of. Uh, positive brain activity that you know you can't get from meditating for an hour you know it's so. like a high that you've never experienced in your life man i mean like, i'll do like the three cycles with like the in and out breathing and just like listen to his voice in oh in oh and then you hold for a minute and it's like oh, jesus christ i can't do the last cycle like there's no fucking way but then you force yourself and then after that third cycle you're just like <laughs> like you're totally totally illuminated it's like oh my god like it's unlike anything that i've ever experienced me too it is the single most powerful mind body hack that i've ever experienced and i do it every single day and i've done it for years and i even do it at night, if I wake up in the middle of the night with a little bit of insomnia, I even do it then. I also do uh, the ice bath, which I love to do. And I built my own ice bath, and I keep it at like 37 degrees. And what I love about the ice bath is every day that I do it, <laughs> the thought crosses my head. Oh man, you you can do a day off. You deserve a day. Get, uh, come on, and it gets to be a joke because that voice is like, it's like so clear in my head, Ryan, that it like, I can see it for what it is. It's like completely bullshit. It's like, dude, you've done this like thousands of times now. Why why do you think and you've missed like? Four times when it was raining outside and lightning, you know, you really think you're going to miss on this sunny day? It's not going to happen. Why are? And it just, it just puts that monkey mind thing just in perspective. Like, okay, just go on, say what you're going to say. We're getting in the cold, and you know that's just what we're going to do, kind of thing. So, 
I think that kind of relates back to the Grant Cameron thing in a way of like, you're trying to bend your reality. Fuck yes. Yes, we all are. So it's to get into the what's in Brian's head, the subtle way that you interpret the voice versus I, minor stuff. We're all, you're, we're brothers on that shit, man. We're Dharma brothers, same shit. You know, it's your reality. You're creating it. So you also referenced that you think that it's a uh, more of a more of a stream of consciousness than you know all individual consciousnesses. It's it's a singular like wave. I th- I think I've heard you describe it. Now, I I don't go there because I I have no John Mack. You know, we are in okay. the worst position <laughs> that the the the. the stories come in or the news has come in we're at the bottom of the heap in terms of understanding this you 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 know whatever you want to talk to you want to talk to et they know more than we do you want to talk to god uh, you want to pray he knows more you want to talk to spirits they know more shaman they all know more than we fucking do so you know before we start pontificating too much just keep that in mind we're the low man on the totem pole Dude, I, I and I think like even the research in it in of itself is a form of a certain kind of ritual because I went down like a, a two month rabbit hole of Baphomet. And I, you always joke because like go to Dr. Jeffrey Lawn and type in Baphomet. You don't see shit. <laughs> and it always cracks me up. But uh, when I was researching Baphomet, I was balls deep in Tracy Twyman's research because, I mean, she's got the best stuff as far as my opinion goes. Um, but just listening to all of the Baphomet stuff, just going down into it, weird shit started happening. Wake up in the night, see like a figure standing in my room, throw the covers over my face, look back, gone. Girlfriend wakes up. Uh, in the middle of my basement, all the lights are off. It's standing in the kitchen, just like, she's like, I haven't slept walk in years. And it was just like one thing after another. It was just like, this is getting fucking weird, man. What's that I, door? I'm, I'm going back to the chemtrails. Like, fuck <laughs> Baphomet. Like, it's so like, I have this whole, whole 700 page tome of Baphomet by Tracy Twyman that I'm just like, I don't want to crack that shit open, man. I, I don't want that stuff to start happening again. So, I mean. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. And I don't know what to make of that other than to, I, I just think that's true. It's too often reported. I don't know what to make of it. Well, what do you think? That that is because, you know, you say go to Jeffrey Lawn, type in Baphomet, you don't see shit. So is that, well, I, you might just go back to Mac and be like, we don't fucking know. We don't know shit. So as far as like what Baphomet is, is a figment of, of your mind, a node in the brain? Like, I mean. Well, so, you know, my go to on that. And, and again, all this stuff kind of contradicts itself because it gets to be like I was just complaining about backdoor materialism and it kind of can have that element to it, you know. But mm-hmm. remember the Tom Zinzer thing, you know? Yes. So like Tom Z- What's that? Jared, right? <laughs> yeah. Was the was the entity? So uh, for people who don't know, you know, I'm doing all these shows on evil and this guy emails me and he goes... Hey, Alex, love the show. 
You don't know shit about it. <laughs> you don't know shit about evil and darkness, though, you know? He goes on to tell me he's a, he's a clinical psychologist from Grand Rapids, Michigan, PhD, Texas A&M, and he did, like, he used to practice, and he did deep hypnosis on people. And in the course of doing deep hypnosis, he started running across people who had been victims of satanic ritual abuse. And when he did, he started running across entities that had somehow made their way into these people and think dissociative identity disorder, split personality disorder as a potential way in. And then these entities were there and they were fucking with them. And I always, you know, one of my things is, uh, you know, people say as above, so below. I think it's also useful to say as below, so above, you know. I mean, do you know people that in your life who just kind of fucked with people for kind of no reason? And you'd even kind of seem like, dude, why are you doing that, man? Like, I didn't do Shit anything. posters, man. I mean, Shit posters. What, like, uh, what about like high school and college, you know? And if you play ball, you know, you're like some bad dudes, you know? And it's like. Dad, why are you fucking with that guy like that? He didn't do nothing. Yeah. Oh, shut the fuck up, man. You know, <laughs> it's right. It's we've seen it. We understand it. We understand there's that, you know. So take that, multiply that times a hundred, and uh, hey, you know, I can get in there and fuck with you, and I'm a dead spirit, and I can't enjoy being high anymore and you like to get high and i'm gonna be right there and i'm gonna kind of nudge you over that way and i'm gonna get some it's all low level shit i mean it's all like in the big game it's like trivial because the big game is light 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 higher 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 and as the higher you get up i mean when you talk to those entities they're like well, why even focus on that? It's like so minor. It's like, you know, people will, like you said, you know, they'll figure it out, you know, and if we need to help them a little bit, you know, like you said, the demon, you know, is a lesson, da, 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 you know, it's like, no, it's just the secret of the ascent is always look up. The light's always shining. You know, God's there. You do the Wim Hof breathing and you look at your forehead. Baphomet doesn't show, <laughs> Baphomet's never showed up for me. I, I, no Baphomet, you know, so, get around in a little circle, draw a pentagram and, you know, read books and shit like that. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one for me is, uh, always thinking about the life review, like, uh, Dr. Dr. Raymond Moody, uh, me and my girlfriend, we were just doing some furniture shopping and we walk out with like a little, uh, shower mat and it's on the bottom of the cart. Completely forgot to pay for it. Just like aloof. Be like, be in the life review. <laughs> we'll deal with that one in the life review. <laughs> so we'll always joke with each other. It's like life review. Oh, don't do that. It'll be in the life review. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's how I always think about it. Like if I if I need to deter myself from something or something, I'll even, or sometimes I'll even be like, ah, fuck it, I'll deal with it in the life review. <laughs> so I mean, I I love Dr. Raymond Moody, man. When he was on Greg's show and your show. I mean, he like talk about compelling near-death experience research. I mean, for me, Moody is the guy. It, just the whole life review thing, and I could listen to him talk all day. And, and he's a wily old fucker too, you know. Because you look at what 
I don't know, and I don't care, but, you know, you kind of suspect he's probably a gay guy, you know. <laughs> no, I mean, come on. Come, come on. But the point is, he's in Georgia. He, he, he's in Georgia. He did his whole, you know, career down there. It's like, I got a ton of empathy, but you can't. You, you know, you can, there's not a lot of ways you can present. And you're... You're, you're presenting the most cutting edge, you know, completely world paradigm changing thing. I just get the sense about him that he's just a wily guy, the way he plays it. I remember when I talked to him and he goes, I just remember he goes, well, you know, I just think we're going to need a, a new system of logic to even understand any of this. And, you know, he's like into Greek philosophy and he's a philosopher and taught all that stuff. And it's like, dude, that's John Mack. He's saying, this isn't, this isn't real. Our system of like logic, what we think is real, isn't real. The only way we would understand this is with a completely different new system of logic. But he just says it, but he says it and he couches it in, you know, Greek philosophy terms, and it goes, oh, yeah, he's into it. that doesn't mean anything. He's like, no, dude, he's telling you it's not real. Yeah, and and Moody talks about, uh, I'm pretty sure it's Moody, where he says, like, nonsense talk yes. or something. Yeah, yeah, what, what was the deal with that? It's the same same thing. Like, okay, logic, throw logic out the window. You're... you're mm particularly because he's trying to draw your attention to the fact that uh, you get locked into this logic thing and then, <laughs> pardon me, but you're, 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 it's going to be hard to unlock yourself from that mindset that it has to logically fit together in some way that you've been kind of told or something. You know what I mean? So, Nonsense gets you out of that, and the fact that nonsense may not be nonsensical—it's just you know, it's just a. Mm. All right. Well, you've been super generous with your time. I got two last questions. One: What's the deal with the Romans, man? I'm I'm trying to follow you on it, and then I get I get Despasian and Josephus, and, I, and my head just starts swimming. And then that one guy—that was the one time I ever saw you get checked. That that guy who came on who was like, Alex, like, could you name like you you've had on Joe Atwill? Could you name like five other guys like Joe Atwill that would back up that point? And you're just like, mm. and he's like, because I could name thirty guys right now that are on my team that are theologians, and you're just like, fuck. <laughs> No, no. That's how I pictured your face. That was the guy. That was uh, David Scabina, I think. Yes, yes. The thing about David Scabina, I mean, I would have nailed him on that more, Ryan, but I had already really raked him over the coals because he did the Unabomber thing. And I just I just think I really tortured him with the Unabomber thing, which is like crazy for someone to support the Unabomber and, you know, hey, the Unabomber needs to be heard and stuff like that. No, dog, Unabomber's serial killer. We don't, we <laughs> yeah, don't need... He blew people up. Yeah, he blew people up. You know? If he was so fucking smart, he could have figured out a way to get his manifesto out there without killing all those people and then going to th- blow up a airliner, commercial airliner. No, dog, that ain't that ain't so smart. So Also, MK Ultra victim. Yes. So important to point out. 
So, which also Scabine in that interview was like totally dismissive of that. Well, I don't, you know, yeah, but you know, I don't think the red herring and like red herring. Okay, so well. it's real. So, if you remember in that interview when he brought that up, then I kind of just said, okay, like tell me your tell me your top things like the Bible is like to me. It, I'll tell you where, where I where my head was coming from. You heard it your way, which is I respect that. When I listen to it, I go, "That's lame." I'm not going to torture this guy too much because I already tortured mm-hmm. him on all these other things. <laughs> so I just said, "The Bible is pro-Roman." He's like, "No, the Bible isn't pro-Roman." So I just switched it over to that because I think that cuts to the chase. Because no, the Bible isn't pro-Roman. Da da da. I said, "Okay, tell me." Tell me the, 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 how the Bible isn't pro-Roman. He goes, well, I could do it. Back to the 50 guys. I could tell you, I'll, I'll pause the video right here. I said, it's no problem, David. I, and I did. We paused the video. And he went and got his list. And it was the lamest ass list of the Bible being pro-Roman. You know, it was all this stuff that was like, not very good. Okay, you know, none of those compare to, you know, I wash my hands of this, you know, may the blood stay on your people, give unto Caesar what is Caesar, go the extra mile for the Romans. You only need a few of the pro-Roman ones to trump every one of his. So, again, I didn't think his argument was particularly strong at all. In terms of where I'm going with that, I know I've kind of tortured listeners because it's been kind of this... I, I continue to think it's the biggest, the biggest, the biggest, the biggest thing. It, ultimately, when I figure out how to present it, it's it changes the whole game, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've I've researched like biblical manipulation, um, and. And as far as like the numerology and the incorporation of that and how they switched, like, I guess, like reading the Bible altogether makes no sense. It keeps like hop skipping and jumping around. And I guess they did that for the numerology to fit and what have you. But um, the last question. Well, let, let, me, let me just interject something. I'll try and make it quick. Okay. The thing that I think is the game changer there that is subtle in a way is that it's not about the Bible per se. And what shows it's not about the Bible is, again, this guy Josephus, who is total propaganda agent. No one even thinks anything different. But when Josephus writes in War of the Jews, just, hey, Jews, you know what? I tell you what, I figured it out. We've been waiting for the Messiah. Vespasian is the Messiah. Our whole religion just throw it in the shit can, Vespasian, Caesar is the Messiah. And then where people go with that is they go, oh, yeah, but no one believed it, no one did it. No, no, what you're missing is that the Romans, who were totally in control, were trying to implement a social engineering project to that level where that guy, that was the official word. It continued to be the official word. They did everything they could to spread it out for hundreds of years. Not just, I mean, imagine that. Like, the, the, put it back to our thing, the COVID. You know, we've had two years of COVID. 
I guarantee you, uh, Josephus and his Vespasian is the Caesar. They got that just as much for two years, three years, four years. Vespasian, Vespasian, Caesar, Vespasian, Caesar. If they're that willy-nilly about throwing out the whole religion, even though it doesn't work, it just shows that that was the game. So later, when they go, oh, well, like I was saying before, that didn't work so good. Let's switch it up. Do the Christian thing. Make that the thing. And then we'll kind of do, you know, it's just, it's just another game. But the key is the first one. The failed PSYOP reveals all. Because if they were willing to kind of completely trash Judaism, and to some extent, and if one of the leading Jews, and, and he isn't just alone, he's a whole, rep, uh, Josephus represents a whole class. If they're willing to go along with it and say, yeah, okay, yeah, it's, it's fake, it's just Vespasian, da, da, da. It's all about social engineering. And then the Bible looks totally different. The Bible looks like a byproduct. It, you just have to then consider, what if we start thinking about the Bible as first and foremost a product of this social engineering project because we have such clear and convincing evidence that it happened the first time. So the question is, did it happen again? I think that evidence is overwhelming, but I think what everybody misses is the first one. Mm. I mean, imagine that the Jews, because we put the Jews, you know, the Jews get dragged through history. You think about the thunder God, it's a hokey religion. It just really is. The the, uh -huh. the thunder god Yahweh. Thing. The only reason it survives is as the punching bag for the Christians, right? Otherwise, Judaism doesn't stick around. Everyone kind of looks back at Judaism, and goes, "Yes, it gave us the monotheism." Well, no, it didn't initially. The only reason it sticks around is because it becomes a convenient part of the overall story they're the bad guys they're the guys who killed you otherwise you know how many religions they encountered they encountered religions all the time you know how many legions it took to put down the uh, judea it didn't take that many they had a lot bigger conflicts and they had people that had a lot bigger uh religions and gods that we we look at it that's why i really really love my interview with uh, dr adrian goldsworthy who's a legitimate historian because he kind of reigns in, he goes, look, you got to be really disciplined yourself and not create the story beforehand, you know, and say, okay, I already know, because I know how it turned out, so I know this and this and this. You go, no, you got to go back in time and say, okay, what did they actually know right then? What were they telling us right then? And what does that mean? Mm. Yeah, that's super interesting. I, I'm, I'm wondering... You know, what if they what if they tried doing that like Scientology or Mormonism or something like that? And, you know, just if they took that approach, COVID on steroids for the next 200, 300 years, Mormonism, 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 Joseph Smith, like all of these things, like would, global warming, would it not? Global warming, global warming. Evidence Boom. continues. Science continues <laughs> to pile up. You know, other interesting thing, like, right, that your mom will take her a few more years if she's just like everybody else. It's like you'd expect that what you'd expect over time is that there'd be the change.
But no, what happens is a double down, right? Like right now they're double down, they're doubling down on global warming at the same time they're doing the COVID thing. Global warming is the, just the worst science in the world because it's obvious that temperatures have gone up, sea levels have gone up. But double down, just like you're saying, double down, double down. Do not back 97%, down. 97%, 97% of scientists agree. It's, oh, it doesn't matter if they're not climate scientists. 97% of scientists agree. So if you put on the social engineering hat, it's the smart thing to do. If you put on, do you know 48 Laws of Power? Guy wrote that book. No. Best-selling book. Left-hand path kind of stuff. Sun Tzu, Art of War. That's what you do. You do not back down. That's the strategy. The strategy isn't tell the truth. You get caught in a lie, double down. That's what you do. That's what they're doing. Safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. Yep. Oh my God, how many times? Like they just drill it into your head until you're just a zombie. Like I always picture uh, the SpongeBob movie where Plankton drops off the buck the buckets on everybody's head. It's like, yes. oh hell, Plankton. Yes. <laughs> and then like that's what I see with these robots saying safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. Johnson Johnson, oh, uh, you know, they got busted, had to pay out billions of dollars because they put asbestos in the baby powder. Safe and effective. Pfizer had to pay a $2.3 billion fine because of this uh, other vaccine bullshit. Safe and effective. And it's like, uh, I don't even know how to deal with anyone who isn't awake at this point. So that's leading into my last question. What do we do, man? <laughs> like, like sometimes i'm just like uh, i don't even know how to fight this the first day of lockdowns in texas i'm marching on the capitol by myself with a big sign covid is a hoax and you know there's some people are like oh what do you mean by that like it, it, yeah maybe maybe it's a hoax i mean i don't know you know how many times have they done this in the past you know ebola this that the other thing and it never it never shook out as this world ending pandemic um but I was the only one saying, like, end the lockdown. This is bullshit. This is a constitutional overreach. And tomorrow, legal man will explain how the Constitution was always bullshit and was literally put in place for this kind of scenario. Um, and now they're doing vaccine mandates with the Constitution. Oh, look at Jacobson versus Massachusetts. That shows a legal precedent for uh, mandatory vaccines. They just ruled a couple days ago on the indiana university mandating vaccines and the appellate court was just like oh yeah they can do it jacobson versus massachusetts in 1902 it's like oh my god so now that they can justify it all legally and so it's just like well how do, how do we stop the machine it just seems like what, what do we do do we get rolled over by it is it just a steamroller that we can't stop well i think we'd kind of touched on this earlier and I would go back to it because it really did resonate with me yesterday when I had that conversation. I was like, we're fucked. And you know what? If you look historically, we've always been fucked. Maybe mm. we're a tiny bit less fucked, you know? And I love science. I think the fact that like that you we're able to uh, like master the science on the PCR test and are able to convincingly just handle that data and present it in a way that's very compelling. You know, I don't think your dad could do that. I don't know your dad. Maybe he's a fucking scientist. PhD. 
<laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> I don't think your dad could have done that. You know, your normal dads, you know, they, they couldn't have done that. You, you can do that. You've got a bunch of friends who can do that. A bunch of friends who, even if they don't agree on everything, they got to, you know, you can sit around and have a, have a beer out there on the porch and you guys are talking about CT cycling and, you know, how many days from initial symptoms. That's progress. Maybe that's progress. Maybe that's all progress is, you know. And one thing we do know is that the influencer, the power of the influencer should not be underestimated. Everyone's just, most people are just following. You get enough real influencers making a difference, and it just has a bigger difference than you think. So I, tell, I, I go back and forth. We're fucked. And we're not fucked. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, dude, I think we're, we're all, and I, I hate to sound uh, like a Christian, but it's, we're all saved. I feel like, dude, we're all going to the life review. It's going to be groovy. And so, like, if I get steamrolled, you know, if if I'm going down uh, the street in Dallas and, you know, they contrive some narrative where I get shot in the head by Lee Harvey Oswald and yada, yada, yada. I mean, it's just like, dude, who gives a shit? I'll be in the life review. And, like, I'll, I'll be... I'll finally know, and then I'll fucking do it again, or like whatever the fuck, you know. I mean, it. At the end of the day, I mean, just like, I, I think his name is Tommy Chong, was on Sam's podcast, and he's just like, you know, what I really think it is, we're all just here wearing masks, and when we die, we take them off and be like, you were a son of a bitch. It's like, yeah, it was, but you know, we were just. Playing the characters is like I think it might be something like that, man. I know the script, the costume fits, so I play my part. Luminaire is one of my favorite bands. Hell yeah, man! And I always think if if I were like in another dimension, and I said this to Matt Landman, but I'll say it again. I can't even imagine a time I'd rather come back in. COVID. Like, I want to march. Like I said, I'll march down the street by myself to prove that it's a fucking hoax, a pandemic, a scandemic. I, I was born to fucking fight against this shit, and I love it. I love walking into the grocery store without a mask. Tell me to put one on, motherfucker. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not putting one on. So, uh, yeah, man, I, mean, I, I just I relish that moment, and I appreciate it. And I know, like, if that is the reality that I picked here – to do that very thing that I'm glad that I'm actually doing it. So that's, that's all that being said. No, that's a really beautiful thing. When I always remind people on that is like, cause people get, you know, the kind of, you know, political correctness, not political correctness is the wrong term. They just, so many people are so, you know, Oh my God, why would you upset people? That poor teenager working at whole foods. I mean, they're just there. They have a job. You're like, you know what? That motherfucker who got on that bus in Selma, Alabama, said the exact same fucking thing. Said, "What the fuck? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go in the back with them coloreds back there. I mean, I think it's a terrible thing that we're doing, but I don't want to upset that poor bus driver up there. Fuck that poor bus driver. He's got to figure out his own shit. I'm going back there. It ain't right. I'm pulling down that fucking uh, that sign. That ain't right." 
Hell yeah, man. Um, well, Alex, this was a great chat. Anybody that's listening, go to Skeptico.com. Skeptico is the podcast. Why Science is Wrong About Almost Everything. Why Evil Matters. Those are the books. Great books. Got to check those out. Alex, you got anything you want to finish up with? No, brother. We do this again soon. I loved it. Fuck yeah, man. All right, guys. That was Conspiratorial Conspiring with Alex Securis. I'll catch you guys next time.